Cardinals need to find themselves a Montez Sweat. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me, or as she's known this week, Sideline Sarek. On Sunday, the Cardinals get their second look at Montez Sweat, who has helped turn around the Bears' defense. Who is that player for the Cardinals? Plus, news from the tight end room, more talk of the lack of production by the wide receivers, and yes, a weather update. Will Danny stay dry on Sunday? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 712, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So I need to share this as I was driving home from the game on Sunday because now that we've talked about it for, what, a couple of weeks now, I see them everywhere. I got caught behind a car with reindeer antlers darn near the entire way home from the stadium to my house. I would have never have noticed them before I know our everywhere. conversation, but now I see them all the time. And at this point, I've said what I've said for the last couple of weeks. I have to stand by this feeling now forever and ever. Again, I'm not opposed to them. I just now see them all the time. They just make me roll my eyes. Okay. To each his own. I feel like it's very like 2005, 2010 to do that. Like, come on. All right. Okay. Just thought I'd bring it up again because we do have what? Are you good with seeing these for what? Another week? Two weeks? I don't need to be seeing them for another <laughs> week considering Christmas is in what? Four days? Yes. I don't care about lights. I don't care about the Christmas tree going up early, staying late. That kind of stuff. Come on. It's just the antlers on the Day cars. after Christmas take it down okay let's talk some football here on this edition of cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals craig riolu and not danny sarek but sideline sarek for this week only Do you, hey, is that okay does that work i like that gonna be like you know paul calvisi and his nickname some of them stick some of them don't although this trey mcplay is kind of getting a little bit of a role but sideline sarek is that is that is that okay am i better than ron yes. wolfley in giving out nicknames Sideline Sarek and Polly play-by-play. Yes. I like it. Okay, that works. Are you excited? I am excited. No, I think it's fun to be down on the sideline. And if I got to put up with some cold, wet weather, then so be it. It'll be fun. Okay, right now the temperature in Chicago for Sunday, cloudy, high of 58, low of 43. No rain at all, Danny. It is supposed to rain Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, though, in Chicago. Yeah, we'll see if that weather forecast is what actually happens. It's it's not going to be as cold as I was expecting it to be. I say that now from our warm podcast studio <laughs> where there's a wind chill of zero. So that'll be different when you're at Soldier Field and you're right off the water. The sun's going to be set before halftime. I mean, it, the, the sun sets so early out there, and so it'll be dark and cold and windy. Um, I'm just hoping at this point it doesn't rain. It's that weird middle ground where it's you don't it's it's cold, right? So the rain is is already worse, but it's not cold enough to be snow. And I would personally prefer snow over just cold rain. So at this point, I'm just hoping to stay dry. I can handle the cold. I'm just hoping to stay dry. So no wet 
stuff, but if it is going to be something coming from the sky, you want it to be a little bit more solid, a little bit yes. fluffier, if you will, yeah. to, you know, snowflakes kind of thing. Okay. But uh, at this point, let's just hope for dry clouds. Now, on Wednesday, first full practice for the Cardinals, they kind of got a little bit of what might be the weather in Chicago because it was in the 60s. It had rained in the morning, so you kind of had that dampness feel during the open portion of practice, and the team was using at least the quarterback and centers practicing with the wet ball. So they're preparing for inclements weather. It has been asked. It's been asked a couple of different times this season. It doesn't seem to bother the players. Coaches, it will bother, especially as they stand on the sidelines. And well, by the heaters. Well, yes. Well, what are you saying, <laughs> that you can't? Stand next to right, a heater? Right, that is what I'm saying. No, the, look, they, they practiced with the wet balls before Washington, had a little bit of experience in some rain there, did the same before Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was not good weather at all. So if that's the case in Chicago, at least it wouldn't be the first time that this team would have faced something like that this season. Here's hoping that you don't experience what Paul experienced in Pittsburgh. Because right. I don't think, based off the forecast – no one anticipated that much of a downpour and then the lightning. It was windy, too. It was But Chicago last year was the same. I remember Paul came back and I saw his notes that were just destroyed and I felt so bad for him. That was a couple of years ago, 2021. That was a game in which Kyler Murray right, had four touchdowns. Year, mm-hmm. That fourth down call to Hollywood, to, uh, excuse me, to DeAndre Hopkins. And that was a game in which James Conner had a good game. So the Cardinals, they won three in a row. At Soldier Field. So weather is not an issue at all. When you're going up against a defense like the Bears that has a four-game stretch of three or more takeaways, plus preparing for cold, wet weather, ball security and running the ball are going to be priorities. Good news for the Cardinals. They've done a pretty nice job with both of those. If you look at the numbers, I, I don't have the number off the top of my head. I'm sure the Cardinals are more probably in the middle range with the fumbles. However, it's not lost fumbles. It's handoffs or slipping and recovering the ball quickly. So Arizona's done a nice job all year of protecting the ball. And especially as of late, they've done a nice job running the ball. So those two aspects for a game like this week is good news for the Cardinals. They've already been doing those things. And that's typically what you see once you hit December because of those bad weather areas and those temperatures you're going to want to be able to focus on the ground game the Cardinals did that against the Steelers they obviously did that against the 49ers in a loss though but can you keep running the ball and for the second straight week the Cardinals are going to face the number one run defense in the league 49ers went from one to three can the Cardinals do it again for a second straight week against the stout Bears defense props Arizona 234 rushing yards the most this season bumped San Francisco down from number one to number three in run defense. It's going to be tough. Again, with all the elements going against them, it's now a matter of can Arizona string together performances like that on a week-to-week basis. What I liked from the run game is the last couple of weeks, they've done a a nice job of sticking to the run. It seems like James Conner needs a couple of touches to really get going and really start to make a difference going downhill. I like that they are sticking with the run, which they didn't do a couple of weeks ago, and and the run game was almost non-existent. Staying with that run game and and staying committed to it pays off for this offense. They, They really only have true success when they are able to run the ball, and 
Now part of that is because your wide receivers are not doing anything. I like that that's what this offense has done. I like this past week it was a true team effort. That entire running backs room, plus Kyler Murray, who had 50 rushing yards himself. Amari DiMercato had a nice game, a nice 49-yard rushing touchdown, broke a few tackles. Michael Carter. Now, if you look, he only had 27 rushing yards, but if you look at the carries he's had, he was slippery. He, He looked like butter out there, Craig. I mean, he was agile. He was twitchy. He was breaking tackles. He was fast. I liked what we saw in a limited fashion from Carter. And then again, plus Kyler. It was a nice complimentary run game of everybody being involved. All four of those averaged better than six yards a carry. Again, against the 49ers, now you've got the Bears. And I wonder how much things might change as far as running the ball because after practice on Wednesday, the Cardinals did place tight end Jeff Swaim on IR with a calf injury. And that is something that does factor into can the Cardinals continue to run the ball as effectively as they have, minus one of your stout run blockers, and that is Jeff Swaim. Now, that is an area in which Trey McBride has certainly improved upon, but now you don't have Swaim in there, who is that dual threat as far as a blocker and also someone who can go out and catch the ball, but no more for his blocking. Trey McBride, as successful as he's been in the pass-catching game over the last couple of weeks, do we see more of him with his hand in the dirt to be that sixth offensive lineman, if you will, that sixth blocker to kind of help things and get a James Conner or Imari DiMercato or Michael Carter going? Honestly, I kind of hope not, Craig. <laughs> and not from the sense of I don't want the run game to succeed. You don't have anybody catching passes besides Trey McBride at this point. That's the only reason why I don't want to necessarily see McBride have his hand in the dirt a little bit more. You have other tight ends like Elijah Higgins. I'm sure we're going to see a little bit more of Blake Whitehart. Of course, McBride playing a role in the passing game is important. I don't want that to be taken out of context. I personally don't want to see him do that more than be a pass catcher for Kyler because McBride has been the only reliable target for him. He had his second 100-plus receiving your game on Sunday. His first reception was number 57, which set a franchise record for most receptions in a single season by a tight end. Trey McBride is your hot hand. I would continue going to him because you haven't been getting any production of your wide receivers. Holly Brown left the game with a heel injury that has been nagging him, did not practice Wednesday, I would imagine we don't see Brown practice at all this week, so I'm not sure if he'll be able to play, which he did one game this year already, didn't practice all week and and played in the game. You didn't get anything, at least from a pass catcher, from Michael Wilson, more of a blocker. Greg Dortch didn't practice Wednesday, so if you're telling me your wide receiver core is Michael Wilson, Rondo Moore, Zach Paschal, I would like to see McBride continue to play a large role in the passing game it's a good point because if you don't have Hollywood if you don't have Greg Dorch and you're relying on Michael Wilson Rondell Moore Zach Paschal and maybe someone you bring up from the practice squad that doesn't really move the meter if you will because what we've seen is Kyler Murray and Trey McBride that chemistry between quarterback and tight end in fact since week 10 when Kyler made his season debut McBride leads all tight ends in receptions and receiving yards, and of his 38 receptions, 23 have resulted in a first down. So Kyler Murray, it might not be his first read, but it's certainly among his top two. Maybe it is his first read, and if he's getting the ball out quickly, 
that maybe means, okay, I'm looking more at Trey McBride and the trust in Trey McBride. I don't think Kyler has lost any trust publicly because he was asked about it on Wednesday. He's well aware of what the numbers are as far as the lack of production from the wide receivers, but he trusts everyone in that room. I just think right now he has a lot more trust in a Trey McBride who has earned that trust from QB1. Why wouldn't you trust McBride? I think that trust is very clear because there have been multiple times this season where a Kyler interception has been intended for McBride, and Kyler has continued to target McBride after that during the game. Look, Kyler said post-game he was frustrated for the wide receivers, and understandably so. It, it, I'm not sure if it's a lack of separation or if it's the route running or if it's timing or communication, whatever it might be. Something is clearly not working. I will say, it, it seems like Kyler is at least looking for these receivers. It's not like he is only targeting McBride. It's just, if you're going to, your receivers aren't open and you're going to throw it to them, right? Like, you need to go to what's working. I like that it doesn't seem like Kyler has been forcing any throws. Even when Brown was out there playing this year, I don't believe Brown had a single target before he left the game. Correct. So obviously you want to you want to get your playmakers the ball. I do, I do kind of like though that if it's not open, Kyler is not forcing it. At some point you do have to force it if you have that number 1 wide receiver. And right now the Cardinals do not have that guy. Is there someone out there in the future? Potentially. We can have all kinds of discussions about that over the next three months plus before the April draft. But right now, you do not have that number one wide receiver. The Cardinals are lacking in that area. When you target the wide receiver 13 times against the 49ers and only have four catches for 20 yards, yeah, something is amiss. Is there enough time between now and the end of the season to correct that? Murray did say that it is something that they are working on, and he believes that there will be more production this week against the Bears, who, against the pass, ranked 26th in the league. So you would think you'd have be, be able to have some success against the Bears throwing the football, but is it throwing to the wide receiver, or is it throwing to the tight end and the running back position? Because those are the two positions that have had much of the success since Kyler's been back. Not to sound like a Debbie Downer, at this point, if what's working is the tight ends and your running backs, why would you not continue to throw to them? At this point, I think we can all agree that as of last couple weeks, wide receivers has really jumped the list in terms of blaring needs for this team to address in the offseason, whether that's through free agency or the draft. Or both. Or both. And look, I told you at the beginning of the season that I thought that Brown had the ability to be a true number one receiver. He's had a hard time staying healthy. I think he has a lot of those attributes and qualities. I think right now you would need to bring somebody in that could be more of a 1A and Brown a 1B. I, I don't think he doesn't is I don't I don't think he's incapable of that. I think he would be better suited to have somebody opposite of him that is also going to attract a defender. And right now you just don't have that. We've seen glimpses of that from Michael Wilson. He hasn't been healthy or he hasn't been targeted, right? He's been more of the blocking wide receiver. For whatever reason, the ball hasn't been finding finding Wilson. I think that 
at this point with the personnel you have, especially if Brown isn't able to play in Chicago Sunday, if you have to throw the ball to Trey McBride, Elijah Higgins, James Conner, Michael Carter, whoever it may be, I'm okay with that. Whatever it takes to get the win. And then you revisit this conversation in the offseason because this is not sustainable right now. No, it's not. And it's just the way things are at the moment. And you can overlook it because you have 436 total yards. You score a season high 29 points against one of the better defenses in the league. Yet the wide receiver position was completely non-existent. Okay, that's a one-off. You can't do that for a handful of games, half a season, a full season. So in the moment, okay, it's what was needed for that particular game but moving forward now the wide receiver position definitely needs to be addressed and I remember our conversations about Hollywood Brown and I was hoping that he could be that guy because a year ago before he got hurt and was placed on IR he was trending towards that number one wide receiver because he was catching everything now we had Kyler Murray throwing him the football as opposed to Josh Dobbs and Clayton Toon but I just don't know if that is something that this front office views especially given the lack of size, not the speed, but the lack of size at that position because the players that this team has brought in at that position, they are all six foot or taller. When you think about size, it makes me think of the opportunity for a receiver like Ronda Moore or Greg Dortch. If Dortch is able to play, he didn't practice. Wednesday we got the injury report and he was out with a shoulder injury. These are the opportunities for players like Dortch and Moore to prove that they hold value here. There's no allegiance. So when the season ends and decisions have to be made, I, I personally think all of the decisions are going to come down to what you want to do with Hollywood Brown. He's in a contract year. Is this a place he wants to be? I think it is. I don't know that Brown has warranted a multi-year contract with his struggles to stay healthy. I think it can make sense to do a one-year prove-it deal if that's something he's interested in. This is an area they're going to have to address. And since this staff seems to like size at the wide receiver position, is there room for more and Dorch? And if not, well, these last three games, especially if Brown is going to be out, this is the best opportunity for you to prove how valuable and versatile you are. For more, it seems like they are able to find roles for him in certain games when the matchups make sense, mostly out of the backfield or on those long, deep shots. But nothing really in the slot, nothing really out wide of – you know, those first, second downs, it's really just when you need those big plays. Maybe this is an opportunity for them to see if he can play a different kind of role. Or maybe if you don't feel like you need multiple small wide receivers that can also play a role on special teams, maybe this is an opportunity for Greg Dortch. Now, we've heard the coaching staff say consistency is what he needs to work on. So I'm sure there are reasons why Moore and Dortch have had more of the limited roles they have had this season. But this is the best opportunity for them to prove why they have a why they deserve to have that role in the future. I want to go back to something you said earlier when you brought up the wide receiver position on how a couple of weeks ago it wasn't a glaring need. But obviously, based off the game against the 49ers, it has certainly become a little bit higher up on the list, maybe at the top of the list, especially on offense for many people. Another position recency bias that has elevated in my mind based off what we have seen not in just one game but the past three games no sacks by this Cardinals defense and again I get it it's not always the sack it's the pressures it's the hurries it's the knockdowns 
Are you making that opposing quarterback uncomfortable in the pocket? And we have not seen that at all in the last three games on a consistent basis, and especially against the 49ers. Brock Purdy, not touched at all, hardly at all, to the point where he can just stand there in the pocket and literally pick you apart with whatever option he wants, whether that's a running back, a wide receiver, or a tight end. That's the problem, Craig. It's not just sacks. There haven't been pressures or hits. And what you need to see out of this outside linebackers room, out of what we saw from the beginning half of the season, they were they were competitive enough with who was in that room to start the season. Of We were all talking about how we were a little surprised how hot they started the season, and it's fallen off. Is that the wear and tear of a season? Is that the offenses you're facing at this point in the year. There's a lot of questions as to why all of a sudden the production has not been there. And when we've asked the coaching staff, when we get the opportunity, we don't really get those answers, right? Because it's about more than the numbers that we're seeing and, and all that. And look, with the 49ers specifically, I mean, they, they weren't really rushing a lot. You were dropping back a little bit more just because handing the ball off to Christian McCaffrey and, and the threat that he was and how successful he was, and so that's going to change week to week to a certain extent. But there was, you're right, there was no pressure. Purdy was under no duress the entire game. That's that's difficult on your secondary and on the rest of the defense when life is easy back there in the pocket for the quarterback. And, was, and especially against a quarterback now that can beat you with his legs in Justin Fields. And this might be a conversation better had next week or in the offseason because you're right with Justin Fields he leads the Bears in rushing he is seventh in the league among all ball carriers as far as yards per carry over five yards a carry so you have to make sure you contain him don't let him slip outside yet what we've seen is this defense Nick Rollis does not like to blitz he doesn't like to bring that fifth sixth guy which is fine but now you've got to find guys who can win their one-on-one matchups. That's where the hurries, the pressures, the knockdowns come, and I don't think we're seeing enough of that from enough people. Now, Dennis Gardeck is doing that. In fact, he leads the team in sacks, quarterback hits, pressures, hurries, and knockdowns, but he's not playing a ton of snaps. He's making the most of the opportunities he's been given, and I know a lot has been made of Zayvon Collins' move from inside to outside linebacker, it's his first full season. He's played almost 100 more snaps than Dennis Gardeck. Yet we've seen hardly any production out of number 25. In fact, zero sacks and only two quarterback hits for the past seven games. That's, that's what my eyes are telling me. Yet I'm hearing something different from the coaching staff because Zaven is improving. He's doing what they're asking him to do, and which – Something that we don't know. What is his assignment? What is he doing? What is Gardeck doing on a particular play, a particular series? Victor Dumukeji, Guys like that, we only see the end result, but maybe that's not what they're being tasked to do. I can only go by what I'm seeing, and I'm just not seeing anything from Zaven yet. When it comes to what we're hearing from the coaches, I do think it's true to a certain extent that there are probably you know, growth and, and other parts of improvement for Zavin's game specifically. And I also think that what we've learned from this entire coaching staff is when it comes to any sort of criticism, we're not going to hear it, right? You can respect it or not, but that's, that's what we're going to get from the coaching staff. There have been a few people online I've seen of, why can't you just move Zavin back inside? 
this coaching staff is not going to do that. You moved him outside intentionally because of the physical attributes and also his intellectual smarts and and how good he is in that aspect as well. And I wonder if if really reps and a a full offseason and really – a full year working with his coach and Rob Rodriguez and Nick Rollis, if if maybe we'll see a jump next year from Zavin. That's kind of what we saw when he was inside, right? That rookie year, there was a lot of question marks and, and some concern of he does not look ready. And then when he got the consistent reps in the full offseason and, and more time, we did get to see the growth and we saw the improvements there. So I'm not ready to write off Zavin as your outside linebacker, you know, pass rusher quite yet. Now, is he someone like a Chandler Jones, Hassan Reddick? No, but I'm not ready to write him off and say, oh, we'll move him back inside. That, that That's not going to happen. It's too, just not. Too much has already been invested in Zavin as an outside linebacker, and I think it is fair what you're saying. It's hardly year one. I mean, it's you give him a year, you give him two years, and then you see where he's at. But the talk in the offseason was, okay, here's our plan for the outside linebacker, and we just haven't seen it. We did see it early in the season, but just haven't seen it enough late in the year. And, of course, there's more film on this Cardinals defense based off what we've seen so far. And guys like Dennis Gardeck, Victor Dumukeji, B.J. Ojolari, Cameron Thomas, they're just not getting a home enough to affect the quarterback, and it's making the secondary, especially the cornerbacks, look worse than I think – they are at times to to the point where I am looking at this offseason is like I need someone on that front seven someone like a Montez Sweat because the Cardinals for the second time this season will see him on Sunday and Danny I told you earlier off air he has completely changed the Bears defense in the six games that he has played so you're sweating this matchup oh wow I like what you did you can there. use that one pregame I can use that pregame you, you have can my permission. Use it, okay, well, you can use it in the game as well. <laughs> Thank you for your permission. You're welcome. Montez Sweat, six games. So since week nine, by the way, the Bears have won three games. They're three and three with Montez Sweat. Not big, but they only have five wins, so he's obviously doing something. But in six games, the Bears rank third in passer rating, fourth in rushing yards per game. They are almost a full 10 points better between weeks 1 through 8 and now weeks 9 through 15 as far as points allowed. 27.3 to 18.5. And this is one individual who has come in and has now leads the Bears and the Commanders in sacks. That, that's the best stat to me of that is the fact that he started in Washington, now is in Chicago, and leads both teams in sacks. One player isn't going to... I say this, but, you know, it, it's more than one player for a successful defense. But it does say a lot that I think those stats are pretty correlated, right? You can't just say it's all a coincidence of the improvements of Chicago's defense since Sweat was traded to them and, and he became a Chicago Bear. And that's that's scary. The bright side is this offensive line has done a pretty good job negating their opponent's top pass rusher. The pass protection has been fairly good this season. Kyler even said when he talked to the media this week, he feels the same way. Kyler's been actually pretty good under pressure, at least statistically better than last year. I don't know that you go back to week one with Washington and look at sweat there because that's a different defense, but hopefully somebody like 
DJ Humphreys or Paris Johnson Jr., your tackles, remembers a thing or two about how he likes to play and can use that to their advantage this week. Sweat had a sack and a half week one against the Cardinals. And again, this is something that we can dive in deeper into the offseason, but I do believe when you have that guy on your front seven, whether it's on the defensive line or an outside linebacker, but when you have that guy who can wreak havoc and all of a sudden opposing offenses have to account for him, when that quarterback breaks the huddle, they're not looking at who the corner is or what side the cornerback is lined up on or where they are. No, they're looking where is a T.J. Watt, where is a Nick Bosa. That's where the eyes of the quarterback goes to, and the Cardinals don't have that player. They need that player because then there is a trickle down. Because it's not just Montez Sweat, but everyone else's game has been uplifted because you have Montez in that middle of the defense forcing quarterbacks to make mistakes. Either interceptions, which the Bears have the second most interceptions, 18 this season, or their overthrows. And opposing quarterbacks just don't look good against the Bears' defense. You've seen that with the Cardinals. Now, look, that's I was obviously a different team and different coaching staff, but think about somebody like Marcus Golden, who was a good player here when he had somebody like a Chandler Jones opposite of him. And when he didn't, you realize Golden was not that that star edge rusher. You needed him to be as, as your number one. You had J.J. Watt on the defensive line and how that allowed the rest of the front seven really to attack and, and really get the job done because... Watt required so much attention from the offense. And I think that's why you saw sparks from players like Cam Thomas and Myjay Sanders, that Sanders isn't here anymore and you haven't seen anything from Thomas this year. It is absolutely a need to have an edge rusher. I think at this point in the season, you could argue offense and defense. Your top needs are a wide receiver and a pass rusher. That's where I stand right now based off, again, recency bias and certainly what happened, what didn't happen against the 49ers on Sunday. And it's pretty crazy to think, does it make sense to take a wide receiver, number three overall? We're, we're, too, we're too far away, and we're going to have the entire offseason to talk about that. But the fact that that's part of the conversation for the Cardinals, it's a little concerning, to be honest. By the way, an update on that outside linebacker room. Victor Dumukeji did not practice on Wednesday because of a foot injury. We did see for the first time on the football field Tyreek Smith wearing number 50, his first practice ever. He was signed late last week off the Seahawks practice squad. One game played, former fifth-round draft pick out of Ohio State. I do expect to see him these final three games, and it might come at the expense of a Cameron Thomas, whose snap count has certainly dropped over the past couple of weeks. But there's a reason the Cardinals went out and signed Smith off the Seahawks practice squad. They want to get a look at this kid to see. I can call him a kid. I'm older than him, right? That, that's acceptable. <laughs> they want to see what he can do over these three games. Not that he's the be-all, end-all, but is he see someone that you can move forward with and pair with a B.J. Ojolari, a Dennis Gardeck, and whomever else they might have in that room, whether that's a free agent or a draft pick. Yeah, and, and you hope that you can see enough to where, okay, maybe maybe he has a role in the future. And maybe, again, it wouldn't stop the Cardinals from meeting to address that position in the future. But decisions are going to have to be made. Because right now you're getting a pretty full outside linebackers room that isn't putting up the numbers you need. Now, they like to have a rotation. So I would imagine they're going to, in the future with this staff, is going to, you know, that's going to be a pretty full room. But I don't know how much room there's for everyone right then, right now in the future. Cardinals have 32 sacks, seven more than the Bears. 
But again, Montez Sweat, with him on the football field, the Bears have 15 sacks. 15 of the 25 have come in the last six weeks. It's pretty impressive. So again, there's my argument for an edge rusher in the offseason. I'm going to hold these numbers and hold and and keep bringing them up because to me, defensively, that's where I'm at. And then offensively, like you, it's you need a playmaker. The explosive play, something Kyler brought up on Wednesday. There haven't been enough explosive plays out of that wide receiver room. There haven't been. But this defense, that's also where they've been getting killed all year is those explosive plays. I mean, against San Francisco, it was really just Christian McCaffrey as the player who was chopping you up. He was their leading rusher and receiver. George Kittle, not a big game, 35-yard catch. Brandon Ayuk, the first matchup, huge game. This week, not so much. 22-yard catch. Christian McCaffrey, a 19-yard run. That's what kills you, is when you get beat like that, and not just the momentum, but then the offense is, you know, whoever you're playing, they're rolling. They start they start to move fast and taking advantage of that, and you realize you've done it once, you can do it again. So that's an area that I don't I, – I want to see this defense make sure this week against Chicago, which doesn't have – a lot of big star power on offense. You can't you can't give them those explosive plays. DJ Moore, excuse me, is the biggest playmaker on that Bears offense. Top ten in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, eleven hundred receiving yards for the fourth time in five seasons. And they do have a young tight end in Cole Komet who has sixty six catches and six touchdowns this season. So those are your two that you have to pay attention to if you're the Cardinals on defense. As far as the Cardinals on offense, yeah, it's running the football against the number one rush defense. The Bears allowing 29 rushing yards last week to the Cleveland Browns. They average or allow less than 80 a game, but we saw the Cardinals have no problem with the 49ers. So can they do it again against the Bears? Which leads me to this week's sideline exchange because you had a chance to do something that the 49ers could not, and that is stop Amari DiMercato <laughs> from going past you for a 49-yard touchdown. Well, that's only because I didn't try to stop him from a 49-yard rushing touchdown. <laughs> I did get a chance to talk to DiMercato this week. Such a nice guy. Uh, just about the success not that he just had against the 49ers, because on top of that touchdown run, he also had a pretty nice chip block on Nick Bosa, but just finding his role this season and where he has fit and what it has taken for the running backs room to become as complimentary as they have. There's been a lot of change in that room of adversity with injuries and personnel in that room and how they have found, found that chemistry. We talked about what it's going to take of if you can go up and perform the way you did against the number one defense run defense last week, how do you replicate that against the new number one run defense in Chicago? And a fun Christmas question, of course, at the end is we're now in Christmas week. Yes. Only so many shopping days left. That's right. Get to it. I'm done. What are you I talking have a question about? for you. It's Paul that's do you wrap stresses. do you wrap your own gifts? <laughs> Here Craig? we go. I do. <gasps> you know what you you seem like a good gift wrapper if I had to guess. I'm okay. Put it this way. I'm better than Paul Calvisi, who just doesn't do it at all. So yeah, already I'm ahead someone. of him. What a good business to have this time yes. of year. And I am better than Darren Urban, who just can't do it at but all, Darren, even though he tries. Darren tries, yes. and that's what yes. I care about. There, there is there is something about trying. But yes. I am, I'm okay. I wouldn't say I'm great at it. Sometimes there's a little bit too much 
excess wrapping paper that just is sitting there on the floor or whatever. Um, I do like. I'm to the use, same. I'm not great. Okay, I, I do like. I typically you use a lot of tape though, <laughs> just, <to laughs> just make cover sure up the it, tape with yeah. the bows or the ribbons. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yes. Okay. All right. I might have to think about that. I think I'm done though. I don't think I got anything more left to do. So you've got a teenager. Is that a lot of <laughs> gifts, or is that fewer gifts now? They're just bigger gifts. It's fewer gifts, a lot more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so. A GoFundMe account, Danny, that would be perfect. <laughs> That's what you want from me, Craig. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Hey, I can start it for you unless you're asking for me to like contribute. No, That's you a different start it story. With a, with a minimal contribution. Oh, jeez. <laughs> maybe. Maybe next year. Okay, I got a maybe out of it. All right. <laughs> By the way, best of luck on Sunday. Thank and you. I do hope that it stays dry Appreciate for everyone that. involved. Now, when it's Paul on the sideline, it's not that big a deal. But I do hope that there is no rain or if it does rain, it's pregame and postgame, just not in-game. How about that? Well, I'll also be down on the field pregame and postgame. But during the okay. game, right, I'll take it. All right. I appreciate the as kind I, words. As I choked with you as we walked off the practice field on Wednesday, if you can convince them to put the blue tent up just the entire game, and then you'd be able to sneak in underneath and avoid all of that. I don't need to see the game. I've, I've got Wolf <laughs> and Paul in my ears. I, I can just listen to them call the game and be just fine. 225 is the kickoff on Sunday. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and Danny Sarek on the broadcast. That's and Merry it. Christmas to all our listeners. Happy holidays to you as well, Craig. I appreciate that very much. Hopefully the Cardinals give everyone a win. That would be nice of them. For Christmas. So we'll have to wait and see on that. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.